It's a real, uh, real mixed bag today, Lindsay. Forget it. Forget it. Hello, everyone. I'm Lindsay Bussman. I am a strategic account executive here at Cheetah Digital. Um, and so really interested in people in marketing. That's how I found my way into this space um, by probably as a young kid, always paying attention to all marketing that took place. Um, Anthropology's window displays being the first one I really took uh, any attraction to and like realized that it was driving decisions of consumers. Um, so I've always kind of been a student of what marketing looks like and just happened to really fall into loyalty marketing and then email marketing and data management as you will. So um, I'm really happy to be helping brands to establish their new strategies and really bring in the right technology, hopefully Cheetah when it makes sense. You really have one of the unique perspectives of seeing the entire journey of a client. We have a really cool technology. We can do some really cool things. Um, but it's almost always that the first goal is to migrate the program and then you have to grow from there. So to ensure that like that sales commitment is kept and um, they continue to grow and continue to have someone pushing them on our side to make them think about what's next. Um, I love doing that. So it's probably my favorite part of the job is uh, kind of continuing to be a part of client um, relationships even after that sales mm. what was what was in that display from anthropology then can you remember was it a mannequin like yo-yoing with a parrot on its shoulder i don't know what kind of display that's really creative but i i think it was a safari theme and it's like they always just do so much with like crafty looks um it's always like let's create a really cool display with just paper or just like a very specific item and so i've always love that. I think it's so cool. Um, that said, it's probably a real miss that I've never been a part of window display marketing, but I also don't really have Yet. a creative artistic eye. So uh, digital marketing is a better place for me to be. <laughs> Lindsay, we have this year as a recap, and Kayla, correct me what I've missed out. Obviously, we, we, we came from the messaging world. We picked up our loyalty offering. This is when we're trying to build our complete set. Obviously, at the same time, we're developing our, our engagement data platform. Then we got our uh, experiences, you know, collecting that data. And then we recently capped off with personalization. Should I propose Cheetah Digital Window Displays, headed up by Lindsay Buxman? You know, that would be thrilling, especially if we could get the marketing team on making them. Because you guys do some really cool things, especially digital. Um, but yeah, you guys can make some really kick-ass window displays. What sort of things that we offer or challenges why people have even spoken to Cheetah Digital, even come across your desk to reach out to them from an SDR for, for a lead? What are some of the challenges that have you seen? And I don't know if it's or we, we need to split it into sort of early 2020, which was probably pre-pandemic planning, and then the rest of the year. But have there been certain challenges that you've seen across different clients or different verticals that we we would help solve for yeah i think the number one thing is like we can't just proceed as business as usual um you look at the stock market today and there are companies that are doing really well because they're either set well for covid and working from home especially if you're like 
our client, William Sonoma, who sells furniture and everyone wants to improve their home right now. Um, so we have to rethink like how we market to customers because some customers are doing really well. Um, and in those cases, it's really like optimizing this boom. But in the cases where customers in a low season because of COVID, how can we help them prepare right now so that they can really activate and create an exceptional customer experience when people are ready to either travel again or come into their restaurant again. Um, and so it, it comes down to, I think everyone has realized that we can't keep doing things the same way, which we all know at this point. Um, but our technology, especially our engagement data platform, allows customers to really take control of their data and then our activation solutions, messaging, loyalty experiences, all allow for that exceptional customer experience and just that better touch point whenever that touch point exists and whenever it happens. Um, and so our, our platforms almost became more relevant because our customers needed to start to plan ahead and really think about how to improve and captivate those customer experiences um, in our current time and then thinking forward to the future in even more uncertainty we're all shaken up at this point. So we have to be thinking differently. And our platform's in a really unique position where it can set that framework and set, framework and set the foundation for thinking differently. One of the things I'd love to just kind of hear about is I think we see a trend in the market where everyone wants a CDP and sometimes they don't necessarily know why they want a CDP, but it's just everyone's saying CDP. So what are some of the things that you're seeing people come to you for when it comes to the CDP and how are you kind of like positioning and helping them? Yeah, so some people are coming because it's a buzzword. Others come because their leadership team, someone on the leadership team heard that CDP is the answer to their problems. And so then there's a push from the top down to really implement a CDP. Um, there's been CDP-like solutions in the market. The client typically usually has that in market already, like in their stack already. Um, so what I what I first like to do is really just like dive into what their use cases are, why they actually want a CDP, um, what are those driving forces, because our engagement data platform is a really cool platform and could do a lot, um, even beyond what a like, traditional CDP could do. Um, but there's a lot of confusion in the market as far as what a CDP should be. And really what it comes down to is every brand and every enterprise company should determine what a data platform, a CDP or an EDP would actually allow them to do and then find what's right for them. Um, there's so much just in the market as far as you've got new upstarts who are um, ready to take over the industry. They have a new platform. Um, you then have kind of the legacy clouds to have put a platform together and put everything in one place from a paper stick, paper clips and staples perspective. Um, and so there's a lot of options. There's a lot of kind of feature, just creep as you will. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you can really get clear on what your goals are, um, understand what companies can help you to meet those goals and then maximize the use cases, maximize the uh, kind of relevance of having a CDP or having an EDP, then you can be really successful in it. It's just, you're not just buying a platform. You need to buy 
a platform where use cases are understood and where you know that you and that other vendor that you're selecting, if you are an enterprise brand selecting a vendor, have an aligned perspective and an aligned view of what that CDP can do for that company. So um, there's, there's, I think, end of the day, it's a lot of confusion in the market, but there's such a way to make the most out of it. It just comes down to having the right conversations, having hard conversations with your team, and then taking a very strategic and tactful approach to implementing that CDP. What are some of the most interesting use cases that you're working on with clients when it comes to how to leverage the REDP? Yeah, um, we're doing a really fun one right now, which uses web tag, um, email, like our email platform, and then our experiences platform as well. Um, so we're leveraging the web tag to understand what people are viewing online and start to get a better understanding what their interests might be. Um, experiences can then capture that email address if we don't already have that email address. Um, so if you were on that page because of a past email, we know who you are. So it really just comes down to making sure we identify who that person is. Um, so from there, we understand who was on the site. Uh, we can then, uh, we can send emails to that customer and we can send messaging to that customer based off what they've viewed in the past and what interest we might see that they have. But it doesn't have to stop there. We can also change their site experience. So change what they're viewing on the web page um, to match new offers that might be relevant to them based off segments that they fall in because of that data and because of their past engagement data across the ecosystem. Um, and we can also do more with experiences. We can ask more questions. We can get more data points and then fuel this experience even further. So there's a lot of ways that this can go, but the first piece is stitching things together and getting the MVP in market, which will be in early 2021. And then from there, continuing to grow what we think the best use case there is. So um, EDP at the end of the day, it comes down to maximizing that customer experience across the board. But uh, typically we're utilizing use cases like this to make it come to life. And this is a really fun one that I am very excited to see come to life in 2021. Yeah, Lindsay, on that as well, with the, because you and our solutions consultant team often work very closely together and as, a, as, a, as a good pairing. When you're chatting to our, you know, our prospects and our existing clients, is it, do you try to solve for the challenges that they have to basically make a solution using the different tools we have? Um, or do you, is it more product led? Um, I mean, I guess where, where I'm trying to get to this is if, if, if there's someone you know, you know, ultimately is, is very much interested in our, our loyalty product, but actually there's a way that we can bring in a complete package because it makes sense, not because we're forcing things on it, but actually by doing these little bits of each, you have your, your more complete journey. Would you try to take people on that? Certainly. Uh, first and foremost, it's really just solving the challenge that they want to be solved. Like if they're really just looking for a loyalty platform, it doesn't make sense for them to move their email business to Cheetah right away. Um, but showing where the added value is of having a connected ecosystem, and then also suggesting use cases like this. And it can always be done with third-party platforms as well that we integrate to, but just showing how easy it is to have this come to life in the Cheetah suite, eventually and over time will allow Cheetah to 
provide more value to them even beyond loyalty. So um, first and foremost, solving what they want to be solved. And then from there, inspiring the possibilities, which typically comes from a larger solution suite, just has to be balancing, making sure it's right for them, making sure it's the right mix for them um, versus what is that future consideration that they might have with us as well. I, I mentioned that purely because we being, uh, you know, we have, we have good skills and expertise in so many different parts of the, the, the marketing realm digitally. So it, it will often be the case that someone, maybe they've put out a request on RFP for, for a messaging platform, but actually, as you sort of alluded to earlier, um, when you get dig down into the challenge they're facing, they might need a, a broader approach to an EDP or a CDP. And that's, we have the conversation there. And actually we find out that they're not ingesting enough information. So it's, it's building a bundle, and but while still not losing sight of the reason why they got you in the room. Yeah, I mean, that exact scenario happened this year. We had a client give us a messaging RFP and it turned out to be something where CDP was a huge factor of their decision six months later when they finally elected to go with Cheetah. Um, and so that does absolutely happen. But the other piece to it is, even if it's just messaging, messaging is all they'll ever want to do with Cheetah. Having an ADP as that data layer and that common data layer that provides the ML, STO, and a lot of other fun things, um, just make sure that you've got the right mix of like super modern, innovative technology, and then a proven backed kind of messaging sending engine, as you will. Um, and so it's a really cool mix that comes together and it's provided to all clients. It's not just clients who want a CDP right away. Um, and so that's a really cool mix as well to just always be an EDP first kind of company because that's the new and really innovative and robust technology that we have that we're investing in. Um, of course, messaging we can do in our sleep because we've done messaging for 20 years. We send a billion emails a day, um, but giving clients the package of both and doing so in a way that um, fiscally doesn't impact them or cost them more, um, that can be really powerful and allow us to differentiate ourselves as well. One of the things that I did want to touch on is kind of the usability within the platform. So how often are you seeing clients or prospects come in with not a lot of specialists? So they don't have a lot of data scientists. They don't have like the tech people who can code and do all the crazy stuff. How common is that becoming? Um, so I, I think it's always going to be more advantageous to a client to have an easy to use platform that doesn't require those skill sets because even if they have them from the start, um, continuing to maintain that, continuing to have a team of data scientists and engineers to run your email program is just going to be expensive because those are really expensive resources. They're really smart resources and they could do things that are way cooler than building an email or sending emails out. So it's like, even if it's not common that clients don't have those resources available, which it's actually quite common that those resources don't exist. Shifting to something that is easier to use can leverage content blocks across the system to make it a really efficient sending experience um, is going to allow customers to save money across the board. Uh, the other thing that I've seen with COVID is you have industries where clients are 
going to have to consider furloughs or layoffs or repurposing of their staff. And so if they need to move one marketing person into a different role and put them on the email team, they can't have data science experience or it needs to be something where it's easy to catch on, easy to get up to speed and easy to train into. Um, and so that's another thing that I'm seeing the relevance of self-service and an easy to use platform um, comes to be when you're also thinking about how do I future-proof my staff, make it as efficient and easy to run my platform as possible and my program as possible, um, and just be able to deal with this ongoing crisis. A self-service, not super technical heavy solution is going to be the right approach every day. Personalization, you're on the front line. You have to get your head around the latest uh, piece around uh, what Cheetah are offering in this, in this subject, personalization. How are you shaping that or what is your sort of opening gambit with that subject when it comes to speaking to your, your, your existing clients or your prospects? Yeah, so how I've started to approach this, kind of two things. This is another instance, just like CDP, where personalization is in many ways an undefined element in the space. And so personalization to one client might mean something completely different than how I'd interpret personalization or how another client would. So um, it's first just making sure that I understand all the nuances of the space. And then our personalization platform is really freaking cool. Like we can deliver one-to-one -one offers. We're doing it and we're starting to build this with some exceptional global clients that are going to touch hundreds of millions of consumers with what we're doing. Um, so offer management's a really cool like tool of that. Offer optimization is a really cool tool and personalization. So there's a lot that can be done. And then website personalization as well is quite interesting. Um, but the first thing is just making sure that myself and the client are on common ground as far as what are they looking for and what can we provide. Again, it comes back to use cases. But then the other piece is really studying okay, what our clients are doing what the opportunities for them are in personalization across the board, across our thousand plus clients, just thinking about that. And then also learning what personalization does mean elsewhere in the market and becoming a student of like this new field, because it is a very, um, you have to kind of know all the scenarios and then know why this is the right approach to take um, before you can really guide them on that. So it's a work in progress because it is still so shiny and new, which is really exciting. Um, but we are working on a few use cases. So that's exceptional. It's starting to come to market, especially for some of my clients. Um, and then it'll just be something that we continue to grow and have market traction in because we've had a ton of early traction on it. So it's going to be an exciting technology for 2021 too. When it comes to developing accounts and in particularly the, the strong relationships with people who you're, you're talking to, how has, has, have you coped with 2020 basically changed a lot of the rules? Yeah, I think there are two pieces there. Um, well, first and foremost, everyone has to play by these same games uh, and same rules to a large degree. So it's not like I don't get to travel and other competitors do or other people are able to make relationships in person. It just doesn't happen that way. So um, it's really getting creative on Zoom and trying to identify the best way to keep your clients engaged. Um, and then what I would normally do is also build more one-on-one -on -one relationships with 
clients or potential clients. Um, and that's something that you have to continue to invest into. So um, whether that's reaching out and saying happy birthday when you know it's their birthday, only if you know that and it's not creepy kind of thing, but always in any place that should be the rule. Um, whether it is uh, just reaching out after a meeting one-on-one -on -one and saying, hey, how do you think that went? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, there's a lot that you can do by telephone, by Zoom, um, but there's a lot of potential in Zoom to really set up the room to make sure that you're um, just as open, as warm as possible, um, that it feels like you can really create a good relationship. Um, and that's, that's something that you can do pretty easily. So there are a few things that I've done. Um, one is we've always opened up the chat. So just reminded clients or potential clients to chat with us. Um, and we'll have someone who mans the chat and can add a little bit of fun to it. Maybe a joke or two in there if it feels like they're being receptive. Um, that's a big thing. The second is mirroring whoever you're talking to. Um, I had one of my favorite client uh, contacts this year that I've spent a lot of the time on the phone with. She always had coffee um, whenever we were chatting. So I made a habit to always bring coffee and make it a coffee chat as well. So um, it's things like that where you can kind of create a welcoming, warm environment. Um, and then I think the other part of it is we all are on video. And so it's a matter of making sure that your personality still shines through. You're not creating this really sanitary experience, which I think is key for any effective meeting as well. Um, bringing your personality, bringing like joy and light and welcoming everyone, setting up the room so that everyone feels like they want to be engaged. Um, that's another really key thing. You can't just like let everyone join silently. Um, you, you have to work on that small talk in a way. It's weird because on Zoom, um, everyone has like an equal voice and everyone can kind of be heard, which is a really weird concept because if you think about old meetings, you might have had like a side conversation over here with three people before the meeting and then another one with four people over there. Now it's just like one conjoined thing. Um, and so you have to be prepared in a different way, but still um, really fun times. And it took a bit of a shift, but there's a lot that you can do just having it be um, kind of Zoom oriented egalitarian meetings because of zoom that's that's very interesting Lindsay. but just on that before um even comparing it to some meetings you had last year do you reckon when you're doing these strategic meetings and you you've gone a little bit down the line more people turn up that's not normally the nature of the beast isn't it the the, the further you get um developing a relationship with a company or a brand the more that uh more turn up have you seen and this is just uh your yeah your own perspective do you feel like more people actually do contribute to a meeting over Zoom? Because I guess the the gut reaction would be it's almost easier to hide away on a on a Zoom call because you're like you're just a window. But actually, the opposite could be true, which is because you're all in the same type environment, um, floating head, you might be more encouraged to speak up versus in person. I mean, I I love to say that like yes that would be ideal, but you like have to call people out and like know that they could be called out by name kind of situation, which nice. uh, you do in a really organic and kind and like forward thinking way as you will. Um, because it's also so easy to be like, oh, I'm on this Zoom call. It's my 16th call of the day. And I'm just going to go answer emails while I'm on this. Like, <laughs> and you can see the fingers come up to the screen. <laughs> it's, um, it's really fun. 
and that makes sense because they need to be on like they need to get stuff done zoom is exhausting um and so it, it takes effort i i think that the meeting attendee list has expanded and ballooned but things are also being recorded like never before and so everyone there's like 50 people in a meeting might be 20 percent engaged unless you know exactly how to engage them um one way to lose someone immediately in any type of meeting is say okay let's do introductions and let's introduce introduce 50 people like you just can't do that now um and so really figuring out the right way to do introductions what we found to work usually is um you know quickly just introducing the key people and then in subsequent meetings just introducing whoever was new um that's worked pretty well but it's like really making sure that you've got the right attention and using that first 10 minutes in the right way is a key thing as well personally I would find it just, uh, yeah, it's easier just, I think, to de disarm people now. But certainly I think it's easier to get that, the domino on Zoom when people are chatting. But your point about not calling people out, but by engaging them, by seeing the name on the screen and saying, hey, John or Peter or Joe, what do you think about this? I hear that obviously you represent the IT department or you're the, you're, you do this part of the loyalty arm. What do you think, which is is key which you being proactive to engage people yeah it's a key thing so you can also just reach out afterwards and be like what do you think of this step and it starts to train them to pay attention throughout the whole process so with how we are taking zooms from our house right now there's kind of that blurred line between work and home how i mean we're having like kids and dogs and zooms all the time how are you seeing that affecting the meetings and like those relationships having that crossover? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, it wasn't a mistake. I'm so glad I have a puppy, but my puppy is quite loud at this point. It's going through a loud phase and it's like, everyone knows that I have a puppy and most of my clients like want to see my puppy. Like they're like, where's Walter? <laughs> Let me talk to him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm currently on vacation and everyone can see that because we're in zoom meetings and so it's in some ways it allows you to like create new facets and be more of a person and like get to build those relationships that way um obviously my puppy is super cute so i want him to meet everyone but he is a little bit annoying on zoom calls so it's really trying to figure out how to set yourself up for success, but also realize that everyone's doing that. Um, I know you have a much harder job there because you actually have kids and not just a puppy that you've self-selected to get this season. Um, so curious to see what you're doing, but I, I personally think it's a lot of fun. And then you can remember that puppy's name if someone else has a dog as well and really start to like build that relationship too. Um, or just, you know, just bring out some of your characters. So I personally love it. I also have this like knight in shining armor at home that gets a lot of attention. By the way, just just to, to, for the audience, because this is an audio piece, Lindsay literally means a knight in shining armor here. Not as in like, there's a hero, which she might have a hero. Everyone's got a hero. We all need a hero, but it's literally, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a full knight suit, right? So your point is it, it creates a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, chat, doesn't it? People like, they like him peering, peering over your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like built a lot of relationships for me this year. I'm not, I'm happy with it. Monty is doing his job well. <laughs> but that's the thing, like have interesting things in the background that can create fun things too on Zoom. So 
always fun. No, I like it a lot more, honestly, because it kind of gives this personality behind the face. So like on our day to day, we're constantly just talking to these people professionally, but then you get in a meeting and it kind of breaks them down. Like my kid has popped in in a full Mario costume, like just running around behind me in a full blown Mario costume. And like Jules has had his baby on his lap during meetings. And it just like, we're all just kind of actual people now and not. Again, there's a disclaimer. The baby was not working because there are labor laws, even this place. So like she was just observing. She definitely wasn't (laughs) trying to uh, come up with creative copy for the content team. So Lindsay, that is, I think the one thing we can take and the one thing you have in buckets is like, it doesn't matter if it's in person or on Zoom, character and personality and actually creating a sense of relationships is the most important thing. Zoom has made it more difficult because we're all human. And one of the most important things is just seeing someone in the flesh and actually, you know, reading someone like that. That's that's how we're hardwired through thousands of years of evolution to do this. And we that's suddenly been taken. However, you have made some brilliant points on how actually it's a challenge, but it can be overcome. And actually it can even work into your advantage once you sort of, you know, you, you get a bit of momentum behind it. Yeah, I like, I'm, I'm summing up things now so I can remember when I'm editing this when to cut. Thank you for a, a very productive and entertaining 2020. You've helped educate us um, in many ways and being a bright spot on the cheetah coat. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a good right one. Right. Right. Good one. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>